0: Where does creativity fit into compliance? In more places than you think. Problem solving, accountability, communication, and connection, they all take creativity. Join your hosts, Tom Fox and Ronnie Feldman on Creativity and Compliance, part of the Compliance
1: Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Ronnie Feldman for another episode of Creativity and Compliance. Uh, First of all, Ronnie, welcome back. Yeah, well, always good to be here with you, Tom. Back from summer hiatus, and you have been one busy boy. You have cranked out a new video series called Tales of the Hotline, and I wanted to maybe explore that series, have you talk about that a little bit, but really use that as a way to to maybe take a deeper dive into storytelling and why you think storytelling can be so effective in the compliance space. This
0: project that we worked on has been bubbling uh, up in my mind for for a couple of years now and over quarantine time we were able to actually work on it and build it which was which was kind of nice but the really the inspiration for this there's a couple inspirations one is the whole idea of like when i first got into the ethics compliance space particularly you go to SCCE or ECI conferences and all that stuff and then when you get out of the sessions and you're just chit-chatting with uh, with compliance officers, they always have all these great stories. They're all about how their employees have screwed up. If you, particularly if you get them at the bar, and, and you know they're not revealing names or anything like that, but every compliance officer has an amazing, interesting, fascinating story about the poor decisions that people sometimes make. I mean, you don't have to make it up; it's, it exists. So I have to tell you that like it was – I was watching – I watch a show on Comedy Central called Drunk History. Well, so this show at its core uh, – I mean it's super silly, but they basically have comedians retell real stories about real things that happened in history, but they get boozed up beforehand so that the way the way they tell it is often funny. So the storytellers ha- has these weird phrases and blah, blah, blah. But I, it's really fascinating and I learn things. Um. So I started thinking about how could we do that in the compliance space, and then you start looking about other storytelling examples, and podcasts are a great example of this. If you look up right now one of the most popular podcasts, it's like This American Life or Serial, um, and these are all uh, a narrator uh, telling all these interesting stories about different aspects of humanity. So it got me thinking a, about how it could really be used to tell Stories about these hard to get at subject matter. We can mine real stories from the ethics compliance community. Talk about all the interesting uh, reasons why things happen. Um, um, you 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 can really get at the the humanity of what happens in some of these gray area issues by weaving these stories. Um, so I've actually broken it down a little bit about uh, like uh, for the for the people who like to be more analytical about it. You know, a good, if you think about a, any good story, you don't even think about ethics compliance. If you think about you know books, podcasts, videos, television shows you watch, there's interesting characters. There's a compelling character. There's heroes and villains, or protagonists and antagonists. Uh, and in ethics compliance, you know, sometimes there's a villain. Like sometimes there's the guy who retaliates. Uh, you know, those kinds of things that are intentionally bad. Um, so you, it's maybe okay to villainize those people in the story. But there's also uh, Sometimes the the protagonist isn't even a person. It's it's the complication of the rule. The rules are so complicated uh, that it's hard for an, an employee to understand it. So you, you know you you have a a conflict that usually occurs in a story, and then the you know the hero's journey is overcoming that conflict, and there's suspense: are they going to do the right thing? Or are they not going to do the right thing? Um, so anyway, the t- concept of tell of stories you can weave interesting imagery, you can make twists and turns, you can jump back and forth in time, you can have little asides and little metaphors. To me, it's just a really great, efficient technique for getting at these hard-to-get-at subject matter.
1: Ronnie, what do you find is really the appropriate link for not only grabbing, but keeping a listener's attention in this type of story?
0: Well that that's really interesting like if you if you look at like how to do writing exercises about how to write a script or stuff like that there there is usually a first act a second act and a third act um, so part of it is introducing the characters and, and humanizing them. And then there's sort of what we just said, there's like the conflict, there's the, the, the problem that they need to overcome. Uh, and so you need to introduce that. And then there's the suspense. Are they going to overcome it? Are they going to make good decisions or bad decisions? Here's all the things that they're thinking about. And then usually there's some sort of resolution and, and it, it doesn't always have to be a happy ending. Sometimes a res- from a teaching standpoint, the resolution is they did the wrong thing, but in the context of the story, you can, um you know to t- teach on that or, or or end on a cliffhanger and finish it later so I, I think part of it is doing some of the things that we're talking about is how ha- uh focus on the human aspect it, of it um talk like a human being uh I'm, re- I'm talking about you mr lawyer there you know you, you you don't don't talk about policies talk about the things that people do and why they do them and why you think that they do them and what excuses they might have and why that might not be the best way to think about it. I think all that goes into keeping people uh, engaged.
1: Ronnie, um, is there any real uh, behavioral science that backs up any of the learning techniques you try to incorporate into your storytelling?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. So I don't claim to be an expert on this, although I, I, so I've recently read some articles on uh, on this and a couple of studies Uh, and, and, you, you know you surprise surprise there is uh, i was reading this harvard business review uh, article and it was talking about um the fact that when you're telling a story it's sort of uh, uh you think of roy rogers back in the day was like the main way that people would communicate history uh so it builds familiarity because it's sort of colloquial and and um informal so that tends to kind of build a, a trust and um like any kind of entertainment i talk about like a lot of this in terms of comedy you know comedy opens people up to listening and learning so um this sort of style opens people up to listen and learn um it makes emotional connections uh so it's easy to remember um i kind of said this already but like the whole idea of nuance like if you're making a scenario-based video, you're showing a scene between two people. You're seeing that scene, but a story allows you to talk about that scene, to bring imagery of that scene, to tell the before, the middle, and the after, to reference the policy, to talk about all these other little little nuances that might not be able to be conveyed in a um, you know two or three person scene about something. So I love that there's a that that it's efficient in a way that you can convey these complex um, issues. The other interesting thing that came out uh, that I read about this article was that like I hadn't really thought about this, but there's different types of... People learn in different ways. There's visual learners, auditory learners, kinesthetic learners. So a good um, story has the mental pictures and imagery for the visual folks. For the uh, auditory learners, obviously they can listen to the narrator's voice and the focus on the listening of, of, of it. And for the kinesthetic learners, which really taps into emotion and feeling. So uh, the article, the Harvard Business Review article was talking about how a good crafted story kind of hits all three different kinds of learning styles.
1: Let me see if this would make any sense, really one way or the other. We've talked a lot on this podcast about stand-up and how you bring the techniques that you've learned and perfected over the years really to a learning experience for compliance Is this type of learning uh, based in any way on that or is it something completely different?
0: Well, I think it taps into – yeah, So yeah, it's a good question. The the thing that I like to think that me and my company bring to the table is we're grabbing theatrical techniques and techniques from the improv and and sketch community and the comedy community and applying what we learn from those communities to the ethics compliance space to help engage people and help them learn and, and to help promote an ethical culture and a speak up culture. So yeah, it's fun. You're asking the question in a way I hadn't thought about it. Um, But yeah, I think so in any movie script, in any play that's written in any sketch scene, that's, that's written you, you, do develop techniques on how to tell a good story. And it's usually some of the things that we were talking about. Usually you start by focusing on what's true. What's So sometimes when I'm working with ethics compliance officers on making a video, they always want to talk about something really funny. And I go, okay, okay, okay plenty of time for that. <laughs> what actually happens? And tell me why it happens. And let's give four or five examples of how that happens and, and why you think that occurs. And usually there's enough meat in there that the story sort of we you know weaves itself and then we we sort of you know like apply a beginning middle and end and try and have um you know some structure to it um at the end but mostly it's about focusing on what's true and really heightening those behaviors sometimes uh or uh, or using metaphors to to illuminate what what those behaviors if you're doing this that would be like doing this so i feel uh, i don't know if i'm answering your question but i feel like storytelling allows us to pull from a lot of our training a lot of our training but i think anybody can do it honestly like anytime you're at, with your with your spouse or a buddy at a coffee shop or a bar or a zoom happy hour People are, what, if you think about the, the, your favorite stories to tell, you're excited and you're animated and you, you, you have all this, this interesting information in you. So I think it's just applying that kind of point of view to these very serious subjects.
1: Ronnie, that really leads into directly a question I wanted to pose to you because I've heard you talk about you and your creative team and really how much they've enjoyed maybe turning uh, their skills to an area that they had not really thought about using them in. And I wanted to maybe ask you to to talk about the creative process, really using comedians that you've worked with professionally for many years, but asking them to, to do something a little bit different. And it seems like they fully embrace, you know, the entire concept and, and really enjoy working on this. Would that, would that also be fair?
0: Yeah. I have to tell you that like the, so I've been very fortunate. So I've been in the, the Chicago improv and sketch community for 20 years. So, I've met uh, tons of my, my, my tribe there. I mean, a lot of people have gone on, uh, I won't name drop it or, you know, on film and television and stuff like that. And a lot of people are right on the fringe of that. And those are the people that we use. Um, so they are a talented group of people that are writing for shows that you see on, you know, whatever ways you watch shows now. <laughs> uh, so they are talented and, 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 but what I've thing that I, that they've told me is that they really enjoy working for this space, um, particularly because they view it altruistically like, sure, it's a gig, but we are creating content that helps people. That helps engage employees about very important subjects versus like the other thing that a lot of my network does is they write for advertising. <laughs> they write for the big ad agencies. And then they're uh, – so I'm going to rip on it a little bit. But the, the, they, they're less excited about writing something interesting to sell toothpaste. Than they are about writing something about how to engage a learner about how to be a better human being, <laughs> you know th- they can get behind that. And then from a, a writing standpoint, it's sometimes fun to put a box around it. Like in corporate education, you you know you can't curse and you have to be extra sensitive about, um, you know making sure not to offend. Uh, and and so these are challenges, but we view it as a challenge the you can still be interesting engaging and in, uh, uh with writing within that box and that's an added challenge to apply our techniques to those areas and again back to the idea of storytelling you don't have to invent you need to mine from what's actually happening and just uh tell lots of details and specifics that's actually a fun little thing i know i'm rambling a bit but like whenever you're improvising on stage you always get a laugh by uh just talking about specifics. It's much more interesting on stage. If you're on stage and you're saying, hey, uh, um, hey buddy, uh, can you give me a beer? You get a much better laugh if you're like, hey, Tony, uh, can I get a Miller High Life chilled in an in a ice-cold glass? Like, you know, the, the specifics bring imagery, and that imagery brings recognition, and you might get a laugh or a smile just out of that specific.
1: As you reminded our audience early in the podcast, and as you continually remind our audience throughout this podcast series, I'm a lawyer. Yeah, and I tend to think of things or I see things through the lens of a lawyer. And I think maybe you're right that many of us have heard these stories, if not anecdotally, maybe around a bar, maybe around a of you know, coffee shop, uh, maybe Chatham House rules or, or things like that. But how do you really? Craft. How do you convince people to to take real life stories that you and your team can then make into an engaging narrative that can be used as a as a teaching moment throughout an organization?
0: Yeah. Well, to be fair, co- companies have been doing this for a long time. You know, the, not all of them, and I think more and more, I'm encouraging more companies to use this technique. But um, if you talk to uh, a lot of different uh, com- compliance officers they will say the most popular thing that they put out is they will tell they will have a they call it different things but it's usually like you know ripped from the headlines or uh, it's a newsletter that'll share something that actually happened. Uh, I was talking to a company the other day uh, and they were talking about how they'd just take things in the news. So, an ethical situation in the news, and then they write about it and pose questions. Um, and some companies will actually take real things that happen, they wait a couple of years, change the details or change the specifics and put it out there. And it is always the most popular thing because people love the gossip and they love those, those details. Um, I do come across com- companies that are more, I would say, uh, lawyers are sometimes fear based, you know, like we have to protect, we don't want to do. You know, we're worried about protecting the company, so they're afraid to – I'm using the wrong words. They're not afraid. They're they're using their skills to protect the company. But I think that they sometimes use, do a disservice because by not um, sharing these things, they're sort of – people know bad things are going on. And I think you get credit for sharing that and what happened – and it actually starts to breed transparency. And plus, employees like to hear about it. So my encouragement to the community out there is if you're in one of those conservative areas where they're like, they're not going to let me tell these real stories, um, you can certainly pull stuff from from the news. Um, there's certainly plenty of corruption cases out there that you can talk about. Um, but even there's like more human cases. I was talking to a client, um, I guess this is probably 18 months ago, and Phil Mickelson, the golfer, was putting during a, and I think he was way out of the, the, you know, he wasn't in the money and he missed a putt badly. And before the ball stopped rolling, he went and hit it again and everybody like gasped because that's like a breach of etiquette and it didn't really affect his outcome. But this guy wrote about it in his ethics blog and used it as an opportunity to, to talk about like, what's the ethics of that? So I think that's a good example of, of things you can use that kind of story from real life. And then, uh, uh, I guess to bring it back to the things that we're doing, what we did is we, when we created this Tales from the Hotline series, is I got um, seven different companies to commit to telling me real stories um, and then serve as subject matter experts. And we committed to changing those details and mixing all those stories together so that uh, we can present to the community stories from lots of different types of companies. And then that way it takes the risk of, um, you know, people are worried about uh, unveiling some, you know, some specifics. So we've veiled it just enough that hopefully it's still compelling and interesting, um, but not, like, uh, worrisome from a legal perspective.
1: Ronnie, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I was wondering if the audience wanted to maybe get a teaser of any of these or is there any way uh, that you would have one up that uh, people could uh, look at that we could link to in the show notes on Tales from the Hotline?
0: Well, sure. Uh, yeah, well, absolutely. So, uh, you know, anybody who wants to see these videos can come contact uh, uh, us at info at com or, or one of the links that you provide. Um We've made a a whole bunch of different stories with the intention is to keep generating them based off of user feedback. So if people have ideas for stories they want to tell, come contact me and we can work together to make those. Um, but the ones that I that to me it's so interesting the ones that we had the most fun telling were all were almost the the. Um, Oh, you, the people can't see what I'm doing. Like the, the, the heart, the hardest stories to tell were the ones that were most interesting to tell. So we, we have a story involving discrimination about a, a manager who was um, commenting and ultimately maybe touching a woman's hair. Um, and we've learned a little bit about the law and that. So we comment on how that falls in the area of discrimination, but we tell that story and how that went down. We had, we had a client who submitted a story about a new transgender employee and, and, how uh that was on un- relatively unusual for their company so we we found an interesting way to tell that story to help uh socialize that for for companies or people who may not be 100 percent sure just ha- how to how to deal with it and of course the answer is treat people like they want to be treated but you know uh, uh we have plenty of stories about corruption and bribery uh, we have gosh this one uh company submitted a story about uh in his previous company how a group of sales execs took a a prospect on safari and went on a a safari animal hunt and then social media came out and it was a big mess um so anyway all sorts of of good stories good meaty interesting um stories uh uh, that we have um i want to leave you with just a just a thought just um I think the most important thing is to just to focus on what's real. Like, we have some sort of big, big stories that I think employees really like. But sometimes it's it's better to focus on the small and the gray and the nuance. And there's certainly ways to tell that too. So, um, the the big takeaway we have found is that you can tell very serious stories, but have the storyteller be excited and, and interested and animated like we told our narrators like pretend that you were at a bar and your hands were waving and you're gesturing wildly and you're you're so excited to tell this very interesting thing but they could have thought this but they didn't think about that and oh my god there was a policy here that they didn't think about but this is what they thought so anyway use your emotions your animations your excitement to tell these very serious stories and i think that'll carry you a long way
1: ronnie i look forward to uh seeing what we can come up with next time All right. Thanks, everybody.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of Creativity and Compliance. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.